This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, if you've ever wanted to start your own podcast or if you already have one and are trying to grow it, then you need to check out my new membership site. It's called Sparkology and it's kind of like college for podcasters with courses, resources and community to teach you everything about podcasting so you can become a rock star podcaster. Start your seven day free trial today for just one dollar by going to www.sparkology.co slash tiny leaps. That's www.sparkology.co slash tiny leaps. In this episode, I sit down with Jonathan Gill, the CEO of Backtracks, to talk about podcasting, building a tech company and how you can do the same. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaps. Big Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, I'm sitting down with Jonathan Gill. Jonathan is the CEO and founder of Backtracks, a podcast startup that recently raised a good amount of money to help change the podcasting industry. Now, you guys know I'm a fan of podcasting, right? Like that that shouldn't be that difficult to, to wrap your head around. And so this is a conversation that I'm excited about both personally, because I get to learn a little bit more about a platform that I think could do a lot to change the industry as we know it. But I'm excited for you as well, because many of you have reached out to me asking about starting a podcast, about taking your existing podcast and growing it and monetizing it and getting more value out of it. And so definitely pay attention to this conversation, because I think there will be a lot that we can all take out of it. So without further ado, Jonathan, how are you? Doing well. How are you, Greg? Doing pretty well. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, let's start here. Why podcasting? Why did you pick that industry to try and disrupt and create something unique and new in? So from an early age, I knew that my actual business and interest is at the intersection of culture and commerce. So arguably my, my business is culture. So I started a music scene of all things, uh, uh, punk and hardcore music. So uh, based on that, started to learn how to program to analyze audio and music. Mm -hmm. So started a record label, released over 48 albums, voted in the Grammy Awards, had a 
vocal scholarship for sight reading, very like audio music orientation. Uh, had been analyzing audio for a long time mm-hmm. and then listening to podcasts for a long time, all the way back to the earliest of days, r- remembering when Odeo was a thing, <laughs> uh, pre-Twitter, all of that. And uh, so I was in the passenger seat of a pickup truck in Joshua Tree, hopping cell phone towers and signals to help somebody analyze listener behavior mm-hmm. on the music side of things when I barely had a cell phone connection and I wasn't in particularly that industry at the time. And uh, people kept doing that. And then uh, podcasters found my number and were calling me at uh, interesting times of day and night. (laughs) And then I was complaining at first that uh, these podcasters are trying to use my music behavioral analytics stuff for podcasting and Mm. uh, they don't know what time zone I'm in and then they're calling me and then my friend who I was talking to is like I don't think you have a problem I think you have an opportunity so in looking into the space a lot of the measurement and metrics that exist for other forms of media don't exist for for Mm. podcasting yet partly by accident partly just because of the long history uh, of podcasting and so what Backtracks aims to do is to enable podcast publishers to have more insights into the audience behavior Mm -hmm. but without some of the detriments of current online advertising and tracking so we don't do personally identifiable information for example when someone listens to your podcast they're expressing a certain interest in the topics that they are uh wanting to follow, wanting to learn about. Now, if you have contextual information, say it was a woodworking podcast and you were a lumber store in New York. If you could advertise in a podcast to only people in New York listening to things related to your industry, that would make sense for you. And if your content is about woodworking, it would be a better fit than maybe a mattress company, a stamp Mm -hmm. company, the square spaces of the world, the hosting companies. So Uh, Where we look at it is a lot of the same things I've been working on my entire life, the content analysis of audio, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as the listener behavior. Um, The need is really much more in spoken word audio where despite the popularity of podcasting now, a lot of it is popularity from a listener standpoint and then uh, people with interesting takes and voices and viewpoints on the production side, but less so from the technology and opportunity side of enabling both the listeners and the producers to maximize their engagement with the medium. So the way we look at it is, so how can we help the publishers have more control over their data and their Mm -hmm. opportunities? And then from the listener side, how do you make sure you're getting better content because the publishers are better informed by like you're great at Q and A's. If somebody is maybe better at a panel discussion or better at a narrative, you can test the formats that work best for you, the release dates, the Got times. Uh, you can know more about what's working and what's not and alter course. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully your audience and your productions are, are better for it. Got it. So let, let's get a um, concrete example here. So mm-hmm. let's say uh, I took this show and I decided to move it over to Backtracks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, does that mean giving up my current Host? Like, would I need to host it on Backtracks in order to get access to all of the, the data? Uh, you don't. So we take a, a lot of different viewpoints than okay. other other platforms in the industry. And we are behind the scenes in many cases. So the company's been around since 2016, but mm-hmm. we're lifting the veil now. We've built a lot of very deep tech and we've been behind the scenes. We've processed over 20 billion minutes of audio interactions, which is quite a lot to uh, now be unveiling what we've done. So you can host with us or not. 
there's benefits to hosting, uh, but you don't have to to get the analytics. You can use our player. We have a player experience as well that mm-hmm. can be on brand for you. So instead of having like our logo, our look and feel, it can have your look and feel mm-hmm. and you don't need to host with us. Uh, there are certain things that become easier as you do that, but uh, now you, you can continue to, to host the same way that you host. Okay. So let's say I decide to, uh, to, to utilize Backtracks yeah. Analytics. I publish an episode tomorrow. What can I then see in the data, let's say a month out? Like what, what does Backtracks show me and give me access to that maybe I can't see currently? Uh, so depending on what you're looking at, quite a lot that's different and depends on your audience. You can know if someone in the House of Representatives or the Senate in the U.S., Houses of Parliament, if you have topics that relate there, mm-hmm. you can know that. People within organizations. So is someone in Oracle listening to a podcast trying to you know, make tiny slash big changes. And then uh, you can know organizationally where people are listening. You can know how long people are listening. Mm -hmm. So one of the things and approaches that we take is instead of sending your audience away to a platform like Apple or Spotify or Stitcher to listen, we take the inverse approach of we want your audience to come to your sites, your properties. Mm -hmm. And so you can link directly to audio on your site. Mm -hmm. You can make snippets of the audio without editing the audio again. Mm -hmm. You can allow the audience or yourself to just select and then it'll render the player natively in Twitter and Reddit and Medium. So what you would get, the data can be simultaneously also published to other data platforms. So like Google Analytics. So if you're measuring how long mm-hmm. people spend on your web pages. You can now say, well, they're on my web page, listening to my podcast, and how long do they listen to this episode? Right. So did they listen to 75% of the episode, 100%. And then if they didn't listen to 100, which segments did they actually listen to? Mm-hmm. Were they muted? Were they listening at a faster speed? You can know all sorts of yeah. really crazy stuff if they have bad internet connections. Yeah, so yeah. then here's a, um, a point of clarification. What... Um Let's say that they do listen on an Apple podcast yep. and they work at Oracle. Can I still see that information if they're listening through Apple podcasts rather than through the Backtracks player? You can. Okay. So, yep. And so theoretically a, a potential use case, and correct me if I'm wrong here, would be I publish an episode on time management and a month later I see 300 people from Oracle have listened to this. I could then contact Oracle with that information with the intent of being brought in as a consultant on time management. That is that a potential way of utilizing it? That is absolutely a interesting. Not just potential, a way that people use it as a signal for their uh, sometimes their real core business. Mm-hmm. So that someone may produce content uh, about topics as a way to generate leads or. Um, to express their expertise and mm-hmm. get it out to the audience and start that conversation. But let's say you sold that version of consulting services uh, related to time management. It would give you a signal because people are choosing to listen to that right. topic and that company that you can go to the company and say, there's definite interest there. This is my expertise. I can help you with this. And then uh, depending on how far you want to take it, uh, you you can do that across industries, across right. topics. And not only, hey, this is my expertise, there's definite interest in your company, but also the added value of you have 300, 200 people within the company who know who you are, who have listened to your content, who have some connection to you, and therefore 
when their boss comes to them and says, hey, this guy Greg is interested in coming in, they're going to say, holy crap, like, I, I want to meet Greg. Like, I listen to his podcast every week or, or whatever it is. So that, that is really fascinating. Um, okay, so let's, let's transition here a little bit to the beginnings of Backtrack. So you mentioned earlier uh, your, your developer. So did you build the platform yourself? Like, how did you go from there's a problem in this space that people are reaching out to me to, to uh, help solve to let's solidify this as a platform and turn it into a real business? Like, how did that transition happen? So the transition happened with some research, some thought, and uh, somehow convincing a friend of mine to join me on the journey, my co-founder, Kevin, uh, which, you know, that's a fun story, too. So uh, once well, we let's ident- definitely dive into that yeah. uh, just very quickly. So when we identified the opportunity, Kevin and I were team members three and four of an e-commerce platform called Mozu, Mm -hmm. which was acquired by Vista Equity Partners. And then, so I was off traveling. Kevin uh, Kevin and I worked together very closely at the company and we had what was, you know, I think popularized as a Sunday test of no matter what went wrong uh, in the week and how much time you actually spent at work and Let's say you got mad, whatever it is, would you ever be mad to see each other? And then the person I knew that I would never be mad to see, even in the worst circumstances, would be Kevin. So mm-hmm. I knew if I ever started a company, like Kevin's the person to do it with, highs and lows. And the way that it happened was I started building backtracks, and then uh, Kevin was going to take a, another job and then convinced him to <laughs> not do that. And then, uh, We've been doing backtracks ever since. And so we started building the platform. Uh, At first it was uh, just the two of us and then expanded. And then uh, it has always been directionally headed in the way that it's headed and that we wanted to create a platform that puts the audience and the brands first Mm -hmm. and we're more B2B behind the scenes to power the experiences where we're not trying to make your audience uh, as a as a brand turn into ours with retargeting pixels and following them around the internet and things like that. So our approach was always, if we do the right thing for the brand and the the publisher and the audience, we'll be, we'll be fine as a company. And so a lot of our decisions follow that line. So how, um, it sounds like your experience, uh, I don't want to use the word easier, but a lot of people struggle with finding the co-founder, finding the right person. And a lot of people go through a lot of partnerships before they finally stumble on that person. Uh, Being sort of where you're at now, having not only built this company and and continuing to build a company with someone that that, uh, you, you met through a previous job, what would be the advice you'd give to uh, a new founder who needs to find that co-founder needs to can find a person they connect with but then also convince that person to forego security and take this massive risk for the, a dream that might not even be theirs like how how would you go about doing that so i think there's there's a lot of layers to, to the answer yeah. so kevin my co-founder is 20 years older than me uh different risk profile than me, different Mm -hmm. financial uh, situations, uh, different lifestyle in terms of what he needs to to continue on. And so in terms of, I think, separating what you need, what you want, and the empathy for the other person's scenario. So in all kind of relationships and interactions, the approach that we take is... uh, 
and then I take this personally as well is to try and understand the perspective of the other person. Mm -hmm. And then that helps with partnerships and personal and professional as well is. So if you have a goal, what are the other person's goals? How do your goals align? And don't be really like one sided in your approach to uh, another person. And uh, so I think in convincing someone else that comes into play of what what makes them tick? What do they want to accomplish in life, uh, either long-term or short-term, and how can you help them do that? And mm-hmm. if it actually doesn't align with you helping them, I would take the stance of that's not the right fit because then you're being, in a lot of ways, selfish about uh, that relationship. But if you can actually help each other both move forward and accomplish mm-hmm. your goals, think when you need something, it's it's hard from the if you think about it from like a hunger standpoint of I'm hungry right now, I need something to eat. I'll eat the donut. I'll, mm. uh, I know there's a healthier meal option, but what will I take? Donuts are pretty good, but, uh, it's, you have to think what's the best thing for you and try and step back and say, well, it's the best thing for me, the best thing for this person, this group of people. And how do you collectively, and I think, turn that into a we proposition. And then I think that's how you find the co-founder is it's not what will this person do for me? And then it sometimes should be the inverse. What can I do for this person? And then your brain starts to switch to what can we do together? And then that's one way that helps with the convincing and the conversation, which being that we just raised a a sizable round uh, that helped with that as well in that it's not, just what we can do as a company. It's what we can do for an industry and what we can do for uh, the investors as partners. And then that whole standpoint is, uh, is very strong in terms of a convincing approach is partnership. So let's talk about um, the fundraising process. Uh, So I'm a new entrepreneur. I have this great tech idea. Um, I've got a a co-founder. I'm the business side, they're the tech side, like we, we're going to dominate the market, right? What do we do next to get the funding required to make this happen? Like what, what does that look like from I have an idea and maybe a team to we just closed a round and can now build? Like what does that look like? So for us, and maybe different for us than for other people, is uh, as the saying goes, uh, sometimes the idea is... I disagree completely with the saying, but uh, <laughs> sometimes people say the idea is, is worthless. It's all about the execution. So, to For actually, the record, I disagree with that as well, yeah. but go ahead. I think a good idea and good execution is you need both. But uh, for us to actually raise the round, we had to have both. Mm-hmm. And we had to have that, uh, that mindset of partnership and to convince someone else uh, that you don't know particularly well sometimes to give you money mm-hmm. uh, is always a, is a thing you have to get good at <laughs> as an tricky. entrepreneur. It's a version of sales. So yeah. if you can get customers before the investors, like that helps the investors kind of right. uh, say, well, so you could sell these people, you can sell me. So we had to actually build before I say, if you can get a prototype, even if it's a, a lean MVP, mm-hmm. something that shows that you can concretely turn nothing into something and that if you add uh, you know, fuel to the fire, it will, it will yeah. catch on. Helping to share that vision and show people what you've done before, uh, individually, collectively, and kind of the pace and the progression. So mm-hmm. if you can put milestones in place, 
even if you haven't been doing it very long, if we went from point A to point B very quickly, we accomplished this. Sometimes we will say traction. Uh, traction would mean that you have some usage and signups. You may not be in that situation yet, but uh, so if you can get to a point of traction and inflection and increasing usage or revenue, try and get there. And then basically, however you can back your way into that, mm -hmm. uh, you start to, to build that. And so an investor's primary proposition is they want to put money into something that's already working versus putting it in before it's working. Yeah. But that may not always be what's available. So it's how do you involve that person in your journey to where they're they're going to be part of what you're building and part of the outcome mm -hmm. if you're not already at the stage that you know, you're generating revenue, you're yeah. generating interest. Love it. So uh, as we wrap up here, are there any books that you'd recommend uh, somebody pick up, whether it's for the how to pitch piece of it, the networking piece, the, the building aspect, like business-wise? Like are there any books that have helped you or uh, any other resources that have helped you? Yes, so there's quite a lot of books. Some of the ones I like are very well known. Some may not be, but Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. It's a pretty good one. Despite the age, it still ages very, very well in terms of applicability. Um, Innovator's Dilemma mm. is a good. Blue Ocean Strategy is a Blue good book as well. Good. Who's um, Innovator's Dilemma from? Uh, Clayton Christensen. Clayton Christensen, okay. Um, I believe it's Clayton or Joffrey Moore, but uh, in terms of kind of non-standard books, uh, just understanding history plays mm -hmm. in, plays into account. So some of what we've done is understanding uh, what's going on in the music industry. Some yeah. of it is understanding just historical terms. So Love it. Uh, I think. Do you have any um, favorite fiction books by any chance? I, uh, I always like that question yeah. because I find that <laughs> there's a, a split between my guests, the ones that like purely read nonfiction yep. and the ones that purely read fiction. I'm almost, so I always love seeing people sweat a little bit when yeah, I ask that question. So I read pure, almost direct applicability, so mostly nonfiction. Uh -huh. And uh, the last question by Isaac Asimov, it's about 13 pages short story. Mm -hmm. It is near perfection and structure to me. Like The last you, question. Last question, you can read it free online. It's available mm -hmm. in like his collections as well as his books. But if you think about it structurally, organizationally, storytelling wise, there's so many things based off that short story now that they don't they don't mm -hmm. really credit it, but you'll see it in uh, yeah. in modern media. But. You're such an analytical mind; it's impressive. Um, listen, I, I want to say thank you yeah. for being here for for sharing your journey to building Backtracks. Uh, where can people connect with you, and how do we learn more about the company? So you can find us online at Backtracks.fm, on Twitter at Backtracks Team. Uh, you can connect with us via email, chat, request mm -hmm. a demo. There's a free trial. Uh, yeah, we look forward to helping you in any way. Perfect. And just, just for qualification, who should be checking out Backtracks? Is it the new podcaster or the established podcaster? Uh, we help established podcasters more than new podcasters okay. and you'll get the most value if you already have an audience you're trying to maximize. Perfect. So if you're a publisher and advertiser or agency uh, that's trying to optimize uh, what you're already doing, mm -hmm. we're probably a good fit for you. Awesome. So if you have a podcast, you want to figure out how to best maximize your 
audience and, and get better access to data, which as you know, is so hard to come by in this space, check out backtracks.fm. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. And to you, the listener, thank you for spending some time with us and choosing to tune in today. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day, whatever it is you've got going on. Be sure to click subscribe wherever you are consuming this. That is the best way to make sure you never miss a new episode. As always, my name is Greg Clunis. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Yeah.